Hey, what's going on, Sherry? Hey, Paul. How's it going? It's going pretty well. Uh, Last week, we mentioned that this was going to be a two-parter. And as we promised, this is part two. This is part two. Yeah, so uh, we don't have too much to say right now, so we'll just let folks go ahead and get into it. So uh, welcome to part two of the episode. Go listen to last week's if you want to. Get a refresher. Uh, But thanks for listening, folks. Yeah, absolutely. And like we... Like we promised, the most important things to do are to show up, to be punctual, and to do what we said we would do. So, now we will. Here it is. Hope you enjoy it, folks. What's up, everybody? You're listening to an episode of This Most Unbelievable Life. Yes! We're so glad you're listening. If you've been listening for a while, you know my voice. I'm Dr. Sherry Spiegel, and my co-host is my dear friend, Dr. Paul Fitzgerald. That's right, folks. I'm Dr. Paul Fitzgerald, and I'm happy to welcome you to Season 5 of the podcast. I'm honored to be here once again with my co-host, Dr. Sherry Spiegel, as we work to discover, along with you, our own most unbelievable lives. Thank you for listening. Yes! think as we go through this heuristic, you know, I want to be mindful of the fact that um, a lot of our listeners are not teachers. Right. This document right. Right. may still be useful. That's true. That That is worth saying. I mean, although you and I both do come at this from a, a pretty specific, um, what do I want to say? Career, career, yeah. you know, um, uh, similar, similar job, similar. Yeah calling so to speak this can apply to a lot of stuff yeah. anything it's like i could use this in high school right. I could have, <laughs> yeah i could use this when change when choosing a major i could use this when i was job searching out of college i could use this you know yeah it's true yeah you so know, the we, first question on it um speaks to that issue of the fact that not everybody who's going to use it might be a teacher so the first question is literally what is your job and the follow-up question what are you paid to accomplish? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I think if we're answering this question, you know, what is our job? Well, I am professor of English and Paul is professor, professor of, of biology. biology. Cool. That tells us nothing. Uh, you may or may not talk about English and biology in our courses is sort of what that <laughs> sort of what that means. Uh, that really doesn't put limits on anything. That statement, right? But yeah. I mean, let, it's good. What what a way to start, though. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's that's the only place you can sort of start. You know, start start big and narrow in. So, right. Professor of English, professor of biology. Yeah. So one of the things that I did that I found very helpful was I basically went into my own HR file and found. Uh, my own job description. And uh, at our employer, our job descriptions uh, include uh, percentage time focused on different uh, domains within our obligations to our college. Um, And so I really took a close look at that and, um, and asked like, what, what is my contract paying me to do? Right. And 80% of our contract is dedicated to teaching. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and then <clears throat> at our particular institution, 5% of our time is uh, put aside for service. 5% of our time is put aside for uh, creative and scholarly engagement. And 10% of our time is institutional responsibility. Um, I had been, over the course of uh, the 13, 14 years that I've now been at my institution, I was spending a whole lot more than 15% of my work week on uh, service obligations. Yeah, yeah, sure. And um, I still was maintaining 80% of my time as a teacher. And what I found is that I was an exhausted pigeon. Mm-hmm. Um, and so part of what I had to do was to really look at, um, even though my enthusiasm um, and, you know, I like my colleagues a lot. Yeah, um, right. So I wanted right. to be involved. Um, but when when a person doesn't have boundaries um, and they grow really tired, the byproduct is resentment. I don't want to be resentful. Right. right. So if I really pay attention to what I'm paid to accomplish and work within the boundaries of that, my resentment goes down. Yeah, and not 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 only resentment, but but also like resentment and um, the the willingness to take on even more. Yeah. You know, the willingness to take on even more. It's like, oh, fine. Well, I'm doing everything else. Might as well do that too. Well, they asked nice. Well, you know, I really like this person and they needed help with this, you know? So it's like these things play. I mean, nothing tears down, you know, boundaries like exhaustion, Yeah. you know, and um, being (laughs) the the way to improve our ability to, you know, set boundaries for ourselves is to be more rest, you know, be more, I mean, easier said than done. I appreciate, you know, um, but exhaustion has a way of doubling down on itself um, a lot of times when it comes to this kind of thing. So what is your job? What are you paid to accomplish? You know, and what, what is the nature of that accomplishment? Mm-hmm. You know, um, what is what is the nature of that? What, is, what does accomplishment look like with, with these things? And um, uh, our employer, as many do, right, have tools set up for us to be able to report back on what it is that we did during this year or and what do we intend to do in the next coming year coming up and things like that. But um, I would invite folks not just to see those things as opportunities to um, tell your employer all the great stuff that you've been doing and ask them to see it as more than just checking a box. Those are also opportunities for us to self-reflect on exactly what are those percentages really adding up to? You know, right. do I find that... Um, uh, well, if I'm spending eighty percent of my time doing instruction and and student work, and I'm spend and then on top of that, I'm spending fifty percent of my time doing this institutional responsibility stuff. I've just realized that I am putting in one hundred and thirty. Wait, hang on a second. Mm-hmm. You know, one hundred and thirty, one hundred and thirty percent of my. T- it's like right. it's more than a hundred. Yeah. Of course, I'm exhausted. Of course, I'm worn out. You know. Of course, yeah. And I think one of the the mistakes that I had made is that I mean. I was hired into my job pretty young and I was very insecure about my own value. So I basically kept interviewing for the job I had. Right. So every year I did more and more because I wanted to 
I was still interviewing for the job I had because I wasn't convinced that I had value. Um, And so one of the things that I've really had to learn is, Sherry, you already got the job. Right. Right. You don't have to keep interviewing. Do a good job at the job. They were, they hired you. They hired you for it. Yeah. Stop Um, interviewing. If you, if you don't keep operating at this extraordinary high, inappropriately high level, right? Um, do you run the risk of being fired? You know, and I, I talk about this with my own students all the time in, in, in the classroom. There are really three things, the three, the, the three things, and you will always find gainful, meaningful employment if you can do these three things. Um, and they are like, oh, I have to be, I have to be great. I have to get a 4.0. I have to be the best employee there. It's like, you have to show up on time, on time is number two. Show up is number one. Number mm-hmm. three is just do what you said you were going to do. Mm-hmm. You always have a job. Show up on time. Do what you said you were going to do. You know, that's what you are being paid to accomplish. Do that. Do that and see how you feel, you know. Yeah. Or see if, if you find that you're not doing that, that you are doing above, beyond, more, kind of whatever. You know, what would what would what would doing what you were paid to accomplish look like? if you could sort of rework some stuff and make some, make some tough decisions, what would, what would it call you to do in order to fit into that? Right. Well, yeah. And because in my own experience, a lot of times, um, you know, what I was asking myself to do, um, ultimately came like, it came from a sense of obligation. And this relates to a later question on the heuristic, um, that came from inside, but felt like it came from outside. Yeah, yeah, right. Right, and so, um, yeah, like, um, one of the things that I would always start to resent myself for is because I couldn't follow through with that third piece mm-hmm. of do what I said I would do because I was saying I would do far too many things. Far too many things, yeah. And then when I couldn't do them all, I would be upset with myself and people would be disappointed in me or I would work myself to the bone and be exhausted and have to take a month off at the end of that every semester. Yeah. I mean, if there's, if there's red flags that could go up for a a new employee in any position out there, one of them that I recognize is the phrase above and beyond look, looking for people who, who are willing to go above and beyond. It's like, they're asking you to work more than your contractual obligation yeah. when they say that. <laughs> you know, they're looking for people who will work on the weekend. They're looking for people who will work when they don't have to. They'll look. Right. And, you know, and, you know, most employers, I think, would probably do this if they see somebody who's really going above and beyond and, and really doing that, all this extra stuff. You will only be encouraged. You know, you will only be encouraged. You know, nobody's going to tell you to stop. Right. Nobody's right. going to tell you to stop. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I think, you know, there's been a big culture of discussion about from a lot of uh, institutional bodies about self-care this past year. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I think that that's really important. And I hope that folks understand that recommending that people work at their contractual obligation is not a rebellious thing to say aloud. No, it's not. Like, um. There is part of me that feels like, ooh, Paul, we are, we are sharing like dirty secrets here yeah, on this I know. podcast, right? But we're not. Like, we are inviting people 
to do what they've said they would do. They said they would do. Yeah. Yeah. For which you are compensated, you know, for which you are compensated. What's the second one on here? Um, What is your passion? Question mark. What do you hope to achieve no matter where? You work. So this is one for folks who are not in the in the hustle that we're in, not in the educational game, so to speak. What is your passion and what do you hope to achieve no matter where you work? Yeah. And well, and I think that this question, you know, there's a lot of talk out there um, in a lot of communities uh, about, you know, organizations and individuals like finding their why, right? Like why yeah, do right. you do what you do? Right, right, right. And I think that's somewhat related to this. Um, you know, there's... There's what are you hired to do? How do you pay your bills? Mm-hmm. And then there's what are you doing on this planet? Right. And what do you hope to achieve during your time? This yeah, time yeah. And I, and I think the leading question that might creep in is as as you answer that question, does it look like how your day is spent? Yeah. And, and that's related to the third one, right? For yeah. what would you like to be remembered? Oh, this is my favorite, actually. I like this one a lot. You know, yeah. f- for, what I, you would, for what would you like to be remembered? Yeah. And one of the things that's really helpful for me is sometimes I play with um, asking myself about whether the, the task I'm working on, the task I'm stressing about not having done, is that really the thing you want to be remembered for? And right. for me, the big one is email. Like, when I die, do I want people to stand up and say, oh, that Sherry Spiegel, she sure did respond to email quickly. (laughs) Love that story, man. So quickly. She was the best at replying. She was the best at replying. Best at replying. She never replied all. Like, I don't want to be known for my email prowess. Carve that on your tombstone. Good at replying to email. I don't even want to be known as like, this is the other thing that I used to get hung up on all the time. I don't want to be known for what I bring to the potluck. Yeah, right. Right? right. Like, she provided free food to us in a way that no one else did. And some people, that might be what they want to be remembered for. And good for them. But for me personally, it's just not it. Like, when when I really tap into my passion... It's not, that's it's not, not that. where it's taken yeah. me. Yeah. yeah. It's not that. How about you? What do you want to be remembered for? Oh, geez, man. If I knew the answer to that. Um, well, I, I think this is, it's probably an easier question to ask as, as you sort of alluded. I know what I don't want to be remembered for. You know, yeah. I mean, that, that's kind of an easy one. And if, if people don't quite know the answer to this one for what would you like to remember it, I would invite folks to start with, well, at least what do you not want to be rem- reminded for? And how do you embody that during your day? Mm-hmm. Um because, you know, I mean, Kel Newport talks about this all the time, as do many other people. You could spend your whole day emailing people and it would feel like you're working. Yeah. And it would look like you're working and nobody would question whether or not you're working. Yeah. You know, um, you could just kind of sit at your keyboard all day in most offices and just be like, you can have the, the keyboard unplugged and just like typing on it. And people wouldn't give you a second look to see whether or not you're actually working while well, they're here. They're, they've been typing all day and they must be working. You know, we've equated that with productivity in our, in our, in our society that, you know, typing equals productivity. And um, wow, I knocked out. 74 emails today, you know, mm-hmm. and what a, that, that's a good day's work. I'm going to go home and it's like, really, really, really? That's, that's what you want to do. 
that's yeah. what I want to do. Well, which, and, which college think, degree is it that you're pulling from that uh, that is letting you leverage that email sending ability? You know, yeah. um, is that is that really your skill set that you want to knock out? I'm yeah. avoiding your question, by the way. No, I I only asked it because I didn't want you to ask me. Um, <laughs> I think you know one of the things that could be an interesting game to play with oneself is to ask at the end of each day, um, what did you do today? That if your life was judged just based on today, what would you want to be remembered for? Yeah. Based on what you did today. Right. right. What is the most meaningful thing you did today? Yeah. You know. um, and, the, and, and so it could be nothing. That's cool. I took a day off. Fine. Awesome. Right. So rest. Yeah, I rested. I was known yeah. for being yeah. a person who modeled rest in a culture that devalued rest. Yeah. Cool. Um, I, I put pants on today. I, <laughs> I took a shower. It could be yeah. that. It, it I modeled be, hygiene. Yeah, I modeled hygiene today. I, yeah. I I drank more than one cup of water. I mean, it can be simple stuff. Yeah. You know, it doesn't. So, what is that for? What you would like to be remembered today? It's like, what is that thing you did today? It doesn't have to be work related for it to be valuable. Yeah. You know, I I emulated days off to my students. Uh-huh. I emulated what boundaries on the weekend look like to my students. Yeah. Oh my God, you will be a legend. You will be a legend to those kids if you do that. Yeah. Took a personal day. What's next? What is your felt set? Oh, so what you, you asked what I would like to be remembered? Yeah, if you really want to answer it. I mean, I'm not going to answer it. So um, I'm not going to make you. What would I really like to be remembered for? Um, I don't know. It It's, uh, I, I, I don't know how to voice it, but I know it when I feel it kind of you know it's like yeah that's the good stuff you know um i don't know I, I part of me is like i just i like i like being uh in situations where in in the in the classroom or whatever context it might be where students feel comfortable and safe opening up about whatever's going on in their life with them mm. you know um and that's up and that's uh it maybe maybe that's like being being of service. Maybe it's like being useful in some way to somebody where a meaningful interaction happened. I don't know. It doesn't have yeah. to be complicated. Yeah. You know, I solved this proof. It's like I don't know if it's <laughs> right. you know my I have the highest publication record in history. It's like well, that's might be meaningful to to, to folks. I I think I know a few who it might be, but it's like that's not really on my list. Yeah. Well, I mean. The number of safe spaces in the world are few. So yeah, they're few and far if between. you can create a space where a human feels safe. Yeah, that's a rare ass. That's a unicorn there. Um, you are a unicorn, my friend. Uh, next, thank you. Thank you. Um, what is the, the next one's a doozy. Um, what is your felt sense of obligation? Well, that's what this this next one is what gets us, us all into this mess. Yep. Right. What is your felt sense of obligation? For what do you think others count on you? Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and that one should be like 16 questions, but we put yeah. it as one. I was going to um, say the, the space under which that someone can type in needs to be far larger <laughs> yeah, this, than what is allotted here for the average taker of said uh, heuristic. Yeah. Uh, so when we release this PDF along with this podcast, I'm just going to go ahead and say uh, this this PDF was my first time making typeable boxes, and I was proud of enough of the fact that I made boxes you can type into. Uh, usability is a totally different phase in yeah. the document creation process, oh, which awesome. we have not 
listen to me talk through my felt sense of obligation. Yeah, you're doing it right now. Yeah. Yeah, right now. (laughs) I'm like, oh, it is my obligation to provide a usable document that other people can uh, use with ease and grace. And you know what you could do? Get out a piece of paper and write however the heck you want. Yeah, do however you want. Anyway, but breaking this thing down is really important because, uh, first of all, you have to be able to tap into what a felt sense is. Yeah, that's its own conversation. It is. Um, That's its own conversation. And then there's this issue of obligation. And where do obligations come from? Um, Because I think sometimes they're articulated directly, and I think sometimes they're very indirect. Um, And that's where the second question is, for what do you think others count on you? And have you checked to ask whether you, like... Are you doing this thing because other people count on you too? Or are you doing this thing because you said you would and most people don't care whether or not you do it or not? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that, that's absolutely true. Um, and that's an excellent way to, to put that. I, I, I would think about this as, um, and I've talked to a couple of folks who might be listening to this episode as well about this. When When somebody asks you to do something, do they need you to do it or do they need somebody to do it? Right. Right. Um, is it you they need or is it somebody they need? Is it you they're asking? Is there somebody they're asking and you were the first person that came to mind because you have a history of saying yes. Right. Um, what is it? Yeah. What is it? Yeah, exactly. And sometimes a need just needs to be heard. It doesn't need to be fixed. Right. 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 And, and I think that like, Asking when when a situation when a task is presented, um, asking oneself, is this something that I would like to participate in, or can I assist in ensuring that this need is met? Mm-hmm. Those are different questions. Those are very different questions. Those are very different questions, and it's easy to. Um, Without without conversation, um, without further investigation, to come to the conclusion that literally the entire earth is counting on you to do something, um, all I can say to that is they are not. I assure you, <laughs> very few of these people who you think are counting on you to do something are actually counting on you to do something. Right. Most of them are not actually thinking about you at all. <laughs> it's true. You know, and that, that doesn't sound that great to say, but it's like, it's it, it's easy to convince yourself that, you know, if, if you don't, if you don't do it, then it's not going to get done and the earth is going to fall into the sun and, you know, catastrophes and asteroids and wildfires and her, her, right. earthquakes. and. Well, and I mean, that's the, as a uh, reformed overachiever. Um, what, some things that I've learned is that some things that I can dream up don't need to happen. Yeah, right. Like, not everything you think has to happen. Not everything that could happen has to be done. Um, and so getting okay with the fact that some things maybe just are going to die on the vine and that's okay. Yeah, yeah, your brain is there to come up with new and interesting ideas and suggestions. Hey, let's try this. Hmm, would that work? What do you think about this? You don't have to do all of them. 
Right. Right. And, I, you know, it's interesting because it used to be someone would say to me, you know, Sherry, you should. And whatever they said next, I would take as marching orders hmm. directly from the creator of the universe. Right. right, right. And it's not like that. Clearly, they knew something you didn't about how all this works. Yeah. And Clearly, they knew something to tell you me. didn't. Yeah. The other thing as an reformed overachiever is that not only did I think I had to do everything, um, but I thought I personally had to do it because clearly I was the only competent one around. Clearly. Clearly. Um, and I think I still work on this. Um, one of my dearest collaborators still has to remind me that I can <clears throat> let him do things. Yeah. Yeah. That happens. That's fun. That's fun. Speaking to the next question. Yeah, I was going to say, right? that's the most silence we've ever had on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, it, it, well, to that it, point, though. It, it's, it's true, though. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. It, it, it's hard to ask for and let people help you. It is. It is. I mean, we are we are a culture in which it is taught that there is uh, there is shame to be had in asking mm-hmm. for help. You know, yeah. that, that asking for help represents weakness and you can't show weakness or else they're going to question everything about me. And, oh, my God, you know, then they're never going to ask me to do anything again. No, that's what you want. You want them to know. And, you know, it's like yeah. that's actually a good thing, by the way. Um, and uh, that's been taught from a very young age. Mm-hmm. You know, from a very young age, this individual effort is is what is rewarded. And as evidenced by the you know, multiplicity of individual awards and recognitions that go out at workplaces all around the United States. Teams rarely get awards. It's all individual, individual stuff. I mean, like in workplaces with, you know, employee of the month or employee of the year or whatever this might be. It's like a lot of rewarding of individuals, Mm -hmm. you know, um, who have done this thing above and beyond. Above and beyond. There's that phrase again. Yeah. It reminds me too of the, um, the gazelle thing that we discovered. Uh, what's the word? Stotting. Stotting. Yeah, stotting. Yeah. So gazelles stot, which literally means prance. Uh, they literally jump up to like, you know, be above the others in the herds to show how agile they are so that they look less able to be eaten. Yeah. Like yeah. we need to stop trying to convince everyone we're the least appetizing person to try to eat. Right. Who's right. trying to? Who's trying like, to? There are no yeah. cheetahs around us. I mean, Who's unless there are, in which case, it's a different situation. It's a different but, situation, but most workplaces are not that situation. Right. You know. Um, the last time I saw a cheetah at work has never happened. I saw a cheetah at work. Yes. Well, you worked at a zoo. I did. Yeah. They're not as ferocious as you would think, believe it or not. None of them tried to eat you? None, not once, not once. Um, hmm. They're pretty scrawny, to be honest. You know, most people are bigger than they are. Are they snuggly? Uh, well, they have sharp points on them. They're, they're kind of sharp in places. Um, yeah, so they are. They pretty much are the snuggly. most house cat-like of, of all of the big cats. I mean, tigers, lions, you can't walk up to one and scratch it on the head. It's not going to end well. Well, it will for the lion. It won't for you. Um <laughs> Cheetahs, yeah, cheetahs are just kind of like big house cats. How about with, pumas? Cheetahs are big house cats with consequences. You know, there are consequences too. Oh, he's playing. <laughs> yeah, he is. His games are dangerous. 
<laughs> yeah, but he's a he leverage a little more force upon yeah. key areas of your person than than your house cat will. Um, but by and large, they're not like these hugely aggressive things. They don't they don't live that way. Puma, no, no, no. And some of those other big cats, leopards are pretty pretty aggressive things by and large. You don't hmm. want to screw around with them. Um, but like with the cheetah, you know, this has been zoology. Yeah, both. zoology. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to give some horrible advice that never should be heard or listened to ever. It should be repressed if anything. But I mean, even back in the zoo days, you know, as long as you keep your eye on them, you know, when when changing a food bowl or something like that, you could go in. You could go in with them in the, in the big yard and and you know keep an eye on them, grab the ball and leave, and they're not going to do anything. This is the cheetahs. The other things will kill you, right? But right. the cheetahs are like, what the hell is he doing? Oh, dinner, cool. You know, the most house cat like of all the cats in my experience. As a Leo, I want to believe that I could snuggle with lions, but I what I'm hearing is No, that no. That's no. that's off the Well, the problem is is if you snuggle with a lion, the lion will snuggle back and that usually involves jaws and dinner and eating and gotcha. rending of flesh. Anyway. Um Okay. <laughs> I do not want next, to be remembered yeah. for snuggling with a lion and yeah. dying. And dying, yeah. Um because that next, would be memorable. Yeah. Yeah, it would be in the papers, that's for sure. Um, the next, what are others directly asking of you? Mm-hmm. I like this one. This one's low key. It's subtle. Yeah. Well, this one comes from a lot of conversations with uh, my friend Melanie, who will say to me, did she say that to you? Did he say that? Well, no, but I felt, well, no. Mm, did he say that? Um, so... I am not a mind reader, but this is a recent observation. Mm-hmm. I thought I was a mind reader. I'm not. So now I'm trying to only operate on doing things or basing my decisions based on conversations I have had directly with other humans. Interesting. How's it going? Yeah. Pretty good. How's it different? Uh So when I choose to operate based on imagining what everyone else feels and thinks specifically about me, then I hyper overperform. And when I ask, does it matter to you if I do X or Y? It's amazing to me when I hear back from the other person. Yeah, I don't care. Not really. Like, I don't give a shit. Like, doesn't matter to me at all. And this happens for all kinds of things. Yeah, interesting. You know, like it happens with students when I say, is it going to be a, a huge burden to you if, if you don't get feedback back on this this evening? No, I'm not going to work on it anymore. Oh, okay, cool. Okay, cool. Can you wait until tomorrow? Yeah, I can. Okay, great. Cool, cool, cool. So yeah, um, the, 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 the kind of the back, back door question on this, what are others directly asking of you? Could be something down the lines of, for whom or what are you doing what you're doing if it is not a direct question that's being asked of you it's like then why or for whom are you doing what you're doing yep you know and as as we often say on this podcast um is the call coming from within the house or is the mm-hmm. call coming from outside of the house right is it yeah. is you know it, it, what are others directly asking of you it's like is the call coming from outside of the house you might find upon investigation that um although that did feel loud 
uh, it did not come from outside. It came from inside, inside the house, the house being your own personal self. Why are you doing what you're doing, right? Uh, who Who's asking you for this again? Yeah. Who's asking you to do this? Did somebody actually ask you to do this or is it just kind of something that uh, you swear somebody asked, but maybe they actually didn't? Or it was a very loud voice, but it was definitely inside your head. Yeah, but it was still your voice, you know? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Which it case, might have, have it might have no, sounded I mean. like my Paul voice, like how I talk to myself, like you know, sorry. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what you sound like in my head. Um, so earlier you said that you thought this question was subtle. What's the subtlety? You yeah, it's in? it's this. Um, what are others directly? Because I mean, there's, I mean, this is a this is a mindfulness, you know, vacuum trap here. You know, it's like you could. There's, there's, you can have a whole other conversations about this. Those voices in our head are very, very compelling. You know, mm-hmm. those urges that we have to do things are very, very compelling and compelling for the reasons that we are fully able within our own minds to play out fully the consequences of doing and not doing what yeah. it is, um, regardless of whether or not that playing out is true, real, accurate, mm-hmm. you know, what, what, whatever. But it's like, I mean, we can spend this. 15 years down the line. Whoa, if I don't do this, then this isn't going to happen. If that doesn't happen, then I'm not going to get this other thing. And if I don't get the other thing, and then I'm going to get fired. And if I get fired, then I'm going to not be able to make my mortgage payment. I'm going to lose my home. And the next thing you know, I'm going to be homeless. And it's like, we're asking for (laughs) a a very small thing here, right? That is not, you know, in in its worst iteration is not going to result in you being homeless. Um, but in my but my mind spun this out so clearly and accurately. It's like, oh yeah, it did. It did, you know? Um, and so how much of what we're doing is actually replying to what is actually being asked of us? Yeah. And how much how much of it is doing what we need to do to prevent the worst possible outcome that could happen from uh you doing an alternative or, or nothing at all. Yeah. You know, and that requires pausing and a little stopping and a little paying attentioning and a little you know, reminding and a little self-evaluation. I was like, for whom and what am I actually doing this? And am I trying to get something? Am I trying to avoid something? Or is it something that is to be done? Right. And I think for me, some of it also comes with some expectation setting um, and like working within expectations. So when I got up this morning, one of the questions I asked myself is, Um, And I've been doing this question routine uh, for quite a little while now. Um, So I start my day with who has reason to believe that I will connect with them today? Yeah, right. Um, And so for today, like the expectations, like who, you know, and this relates back to your like, do what you say you will. Who have I said I will do something in relationship to them today, right? And so I knew you and I had a call today. I know that when my husband gets home today, we're going to jump in the car and we're going to drive <clears throat> to Tidewater because we're yeah, going to see right. our moms for Mother's Day and and our, the rest of our family too, but the occasion, <laughs> Mother's Day. <laughs> we will only see the moms. Yeah, yeah. Um, But so, you know, my... uh. My direct obligations for today are to you and to Eric. And that's it. Mm-hmm. Anything else I do is because I choose to. Yeah, um, right. And even like with my work email, for example, I've started putting these out of office messages that are really about expectation setting. Mm. Um, so I didn't want to have to be tethered to my email 
uh, today or Saturday or Sunday or thinking about, oh, well, what if somebody sent me a message and they're waiting on me? So I have an out of office message that says, I'm away from email. You can expect a call back or a response back on Monday. And that is more for me than it is for any of them. Because right. now right. I'm as- I'm able to say, if someone has directly asked me for something via email, they have received a response already. Mm-hmm. So no one is looking for a response for me right now. Right, 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 right. Great. Freedom. Freedom. Yes. Freedom, freedom. The next question is the flip side of that. What are you directly at? What are you directly asking of others? Mm-hmm. What was your spirit behind that one when you wrote that one? Uh, well, once I realized that I wasn't a mind reader, it occurred to me that other people aren't either. Mm. Um, and so I used to ask people questions that weren't questions. Like that, like that. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. Was that Um, one? Was that one? I would ask things like, um, I would ask someone else if they wanted something that really was just something I wanted. Right. Mm. Like, so, Mm. uh, instead of saying, um, you know, Paul, I would like to have a call with you on Friday. Will that work for you? I would say, would you like to have a call on Friday? And then maybe this is hypothetical. So maybe Paul's like, I don't see any reason to have a call on Friday. Mm. So no, thank you. So then my need isn't, met because i haven't directly asked for it what i want or what i need um and so if you just try asking for directly for what you need instead of hinting at what you need things are very magical all right so this seems like an obvious one i know it is not i know it's not um it feels scary to do that though why is that (sighs) oh Because it feels like, oh my God, here we go. I'm going to ask this question. I mean. Because we, I I think, and I'd be interested in your thoughts on this. I think it's because we live in a culture. It's back to that individualism. Being needy is seen as being hmm. burdensome. And we don't want to burden people. Right. And so if right. we ask for what we need, then it means we are not a rock and an island who can stand on their yeah, own. Yeah, if you don't ask for what you need, that means your needs are... I mean, if, if, if you need to ask for what you need, it means your needs must not be being met, in which case you're needy, in which case you need things, which means you're, you're asking you're asking people to do stuff, which means that you're a burden, you're burdensome. Right, you know, and it's ridiculous because we don't want to be needy, yet we are all people with needs because needs are universal. Right. Right, right. Yeah. For sure, for sure. Yeah. Um, And so I think if someone you're in relationship with is surprised over the fact that you have a need, and if you're really approaching something as like presenting what your need is, Hmm. not your preferred strategy for meeting that need, right? Like, it's not, I need Paul to make me a cake. <laughs> right, that's for, not for a example, universal right, need, for, right? Have you so had it depends my on cake? What kind of cake or, I was going to say, have you had my cake? Um, I might. Yeah, I have. I have not had my cake. It comes out of a box when it's made. But yeah, I believe that. Yeah, 
you have other features. I do. In I do. the kitchen. Yeah, I do. Um, but yeah, so I think it's that. It's that. Um, if you ask directly for what you need, um, and you're coming from a place of need, not preferred strategy, you're more likely to have your needs met. Right. 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 Whatever they are. And if, if the person you're talking to isn't interested in helping you find strategies that will meet your needs, is the person you're talking to meeting your needs? Right, right. There's some other little things that can happen in that conversation right. that, are, that can be equally informative. I'll say equally, equally informative. Yeah. I love this next one. I love this next question. It's related too, isn't it? Love it. How are your administrators supporting you? And how are you expressing your needs? Mm-hmm. I love that question. Yeah. What do you love about it? I love that it flips a lot of the perception of what this relationship is. You know, administrators, supervisors, managers, whoever it might be. Yeah. You know, um, to take this out of a out of an academic framework, if if needed, take out the word administrator and swap in whoever is hierarchically above you in an org chart. Right. You know. You know and if somebody, like, say, a student is listening to this, you can also ask, "How are your parents supporting you, and how yeah. are you expressing your needs? How are your parents supporting you? How's the president of your college or university supporting you? How's your dean supporting you?" How's your how, teacher supporting you? How's your teacher supporting you? How are you expressing you? your needs? Yeah, and how are you expressing your needs? Um, and the the way that I oftentimes uh, say this in the sort of offhand look around in all directions to see who's listening here before I say this publicly in a <laughs> public public format, you don't work for them. They work for you, <laughs> right? What if you went into your day seeing your administrators in the, higher, in the org chart above you, you're not working for them. They're working for you. They're your employees. You are not their employees. Yeah. And I, I think that that's a, a really interesting switch, like, because it does put the idea that they... Um, they have responsibility to you. Yes. Yeah, that it is a sp- support relationship. Now, I think what's tricky... Um, sometimes is that whenever we are working within any kind of hierarchy uh, or really just when we're working with another human, what showing support looks like and what the needs are may not communicate well. Um, And so that's one of the reasons why the question starts with how are your human, whatever, whoever they are, supporting you because the first thing might be to ask, what is this person doing that they think is supportive? Right. What do they think my needs are? And how are they trying to reach those needs? Right? And I think a lot of times, especially like, you know, in colleges, administrators a lot of times have been teachers before. Mm-hmm. And so they might be acting based upon what they understand as being faculty needs based upon uh, the loudest needs that have been communicated. Right. right. Based upon their needs as when they were in that role. Right. Um, So I think that there's some really interesting exploration to be done, starting with, well, what are they doing that from their point of view looks like 
what they understand to be support. Right. Right. And then what do you actually need and how are you going about expressing it? Um, and the how is important. Like, it's very, yeah, it's super important. Give me more money is a way of expressing a yeah. need. It may not be the most effective. Yeah. Gossiping at the water cooler is a way of expressing need. It may not be the most effective. Yes. Posting yeah. it on Facebook is a way of expressing a need. It may not be the most effective. It may not be the most effective. Having a conversation with your administrator or your supervisor or your manager um, in a calm, <laughs> approachable way using nonviolent communication is a way of expressing those needs. It may be effective. It may be effective, or at least yeah. it's a place to start. Um Maybe, yeah. I mean, maybe it will be, maybe it won't be as well, right? I mean, I'm not saying that that's always going to be an, a yes either. Sometimes we find that it's, that's, not a, that's not an effective way either. And then that calls for other things. Right. Well, I mean, and the, there's, there's an important concept in the world called a rhetorical refusal, which is when we defy our audience's expectations by refusing something, when we are expected to perform in a particular Before, way. Yeah, right. Um, and so... Um, sometimes the best way to express your need is to say no. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Not to agree to do more with less. Sorry, I'm not your person for that. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, and my therapist is, and I think this is a common strategy. You know, she's talked to me about, uh, responding to situations with yes, yes, no, yes. Um, so yes, I understand that's important. Yes, I would like to see that need met too. No, I don't understand how I can help. Yes, I will make some recommendations about other people you could contact next. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, perfect. like, um, because I think it's hard to express your needs, especially when mm -hmm. you your plate is full. You want to look like a team player. You know, I want to look like I am a valuable contributor but I, in order for me to sustain my career part of my needs include rest and rejuvenation yeah so yeah that's just a fact that's just yeah. a fact very cool how do you want to be in the world throughout your day how indeed how oh, indeed. We've talked about this. Uh, I think we recorded something on this pretty recently, didn't we? We have an old episode about this, don't we? Mm -hmm. Ways of we being. Do. Yeah, ways of being in the world. Uh, so when you wake up in the morning and uh, you're about to start your day and do all the things that one does during one's day and to engage in one's uh, activities ordained or chosen uh, spontaneously, spontaneously, how do you want to show up for those? Mm -hmm. You know, what do you want to bring into that party? Um, what do you want to, how do you want to come across? Right, how do you want to come across? What are your, what are your own expectations for yourself and for others in doing that? Um, how is, how you answer that question driving the outcomes maybe, mm -hmm. right, of, of all of this? So it's like this way of being in the world. We'll, we'll post this in the show notes, a link to that episode. 
but I think it was what two ago, three ago, or something like that. Yeah, uh, high fifties, low sixties. Um, how do you want to be in the world mm-hmm. throughout your day? So it's just let's go through the day. It's like what what gestalt mindset or body set or or critical being manifestation do you want to be? Yeah, and I think the asking this question is important and. And it's important to not ask it once and then never come back at it. It's important to kind of ask it daily, maybe even hourly. Uh Um, Because I think we can get so entrenched in our habits, our ways of being in the world that are habitual. We talk a lot about habit on that episode. Right. Um, That I think we can forget that there are other options. Right. And, and mm-hmm. this comes to the idea of like, you know, you know, we, we might find ourselves faced with the same kinds of problems or we, we feel frustrations in our lives bubbling up. Do we know that there are other options? How else could you be in the yeah, world? Yeah. Yeah. You know, for every, for every uh, situation where you feel, feel like there's only one thing that has to be done and it has to be you that does it. Before you do anything, come up with an alternative. Yeah. You know, what else could what else could be a response to this? Yeah. And this is the responding versus reacting as well, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. And this intentional, you know, one of the things I know to be true is that how I want to be in the world, I, I want to be at ease. You know, yeah. I was anxious right. for so yeah. long. Um, I want to go through life with ease. And so if I know that that's true, I cannot also pack my day full of appointments. Because mm-hmm. those two yeah. those two intentions are, you know, at a crossroads yeah. that's not exactly comfortable. Yeah, a little incompatibility there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah and I, I, I feel that too. It's like as soon as something shows up on my calendar, I'm like, uh, uh. <laughs> Yeah. You can get kind of bristly. Um, yet at the same time, I know that there are obligations that must be obligated to, and I'm happy to I'm happy to obligate them. But you know, so how do I want to show up for these things that I that I know that I have to right. have to do or want to do or said yes to doing and Right. But you know, it, it you know, that that reminds me of this idea of like treating our calendars like a sacred object. Like Right. Yeah, don't put stuff on there willy nilly. Yeah. Be real thinky before you put stuff on that thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and if the other, if anybody ever says you have to decide right now, the answer is no. Right. The yeah. answer is always no. Yeah. Well, you know, as I keep talking about the needs inventory, I probably talked about it the last three episodes. Uh, one of the things that really stood out to me is that the need for spontaneity, like that's a human need that yeah, I have right. not right. always allowed myself. Right. Um. I'll schedule my day and then be so surprised that I'm resentful of how I spent my day. And I never felt like I had control. Well, I didn't allow myself any room for spontaneity. Yeah. And that's one of the hardest things about the academic profession that as I realize it's like every Monday at 11, really for the next three and four and four months, every, it's like, Oh, you know, just, uh, every, (laughs) yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like, Oh, no spontaneity at all, right? And I, my, I, I feel that need as well. I mean, I have a need for spontaneity, and 
um, which is why he takes such comfort in having this big vast, what did I refer to as earlier, a screaming abyss of nothingness on my calendar. <laughs> you know, that is, it, looks, it looks like expansive, expansive nothingness. And it's like, I don't know what's going to happen. And it might be something or it might be nothing. We'll find out when we get there. It's you know, glorious potential. Res- yeah, resist all urges to, uh, including the potential to do nothing, right? Resist, resist all urges to, to fill that space. Yeah. That doesn't mean you need to be doing something in that space. It's fine as it is. Yeah. I think that's important. Yeah. So I don't know. So Paul will post this heuristic along with this episode. Cool. Yeah. Um, What do we want to do? Do we want to put it on the website? Maybe we'll we'll do both. We'll put it on the website. We'll make a link to it. In the show notes. In the show notes. Yeah. So people folks can get it. And uh, we'd probably enjoy feedback on this as well and what what comes up for folks and what other questions might be good ones to add to such a heuristic if, you know, if if somebody wants to think about it. Um, Yeah. Especially our fellow teachers as we round out uh, Teacher Appreciation Week. Perhaps we might say to our teachers, our fellow teachers, we appreciate that what you're doing is far more complicated than Teacher Appreciation Week tends to acknowledge. Right. There's more than one week's worth of appreciation that can go into that. Yeah. Um, I would like to wish folks a teacher appreciation nine months. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Appreciating all that you've done during this pandemic and on years when there were not pandemics. Both yeah. of them, you know, for, for what you do. And it's tough out there, man. It's tough mm-hmm. out there and it's easy to get down and it's easy to get exhausted at the end of the year um, as we move into the summer. And uh, if we if if we amongst ourselves find that we have a little space to, to to poke around a little bit with a little self-investigation, maybe give this uh, give this heuristic a think. Yeah. And okay. uh, see if there's any room for it to inform you on something that you might be able to do different, you yeah. know, or stuff that's really working for you that you want to maintain and keep the same. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and we would forward. love to hear as folks play with this, whether or not they're a teacher, uh, what it shows them. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Uh, we've had a couple of conversations lately about some neat stuff coming up in the summer. And I think we might actually be in a position to say something maybe on the next podcast. We might be able to. Yeah. Did you want to just say something now? or Do you feel a call to do that? or? I think we could. I mean, it seems... Yeah, it couldn't hurt. Yeah, so the long story short is this. Uh, we're, we're both educators here, right? We've been educating a long time. We have been educated a long time. Both are true. Um, and uh, we're both kind of digging this mindfulness thing, mm-hmm. right? Uh, so we've had a couple of conversations about a workshop coming up. I don't mm-hmm. remember the date, and I'm not going to say anything without looking at a calendar on a uh, mindfulness for educators workshop. Indeed. In a couple week series. Yep. And because we also care about the humans who are not educators, we also have plans for a just general mindfulness. uh, What have we been calling that? A mindfulness buffet. Buffet. Yeah. A mindfulness buffet. Yeah. So we're thinking about uh, offering a mindfulness buffet workshop on a Saturday for, for, for general folks, for anyone, humans on this earth along the journey with us. And then also that educators one, which I think will be a lot of fun. Yeah, it will be. Um, and we only we only be specific with the mindfulness for educators one because, well, we're educators, <laughs> and uh, we we know this world in which we 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 live in. And um, there's a little bit of room for for some specificity of 
calling and um, interaction and what we are at being asked to do and the particular pressures that we feel obligated to satisfy as we go through our life, um, taking on this role as educator. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it's, we're, we're, we're excited about a fostering and cultivating a little bit of a skill set and what it means to be a mindful educator and how mm-hmm. you can bring that into a classroom and, and how you would embody that were you to do so low key. Um, and uh, this does not mean kind of quitting your job and moving into a commune. Mm-hmm. It might, but I mean, there's some stuff that you can do in a classroom. There's the stuff that can call you to how you engage with your coworkers in your workplace that are right. that can be specific to education and, and the profession that yeah, we want to want to spend a little bit of time with for folks who are interested. Yeah. And, you know, and I think it's important to say, like, we're thinking about this as mindfulness as kind of a lifestyle choice, not a break time activity. Right. Correct. Correct. So this is not um, add five minutes of breathing to the middle of your classroom. Like You might want to do that. Yeah. Um, but but there's more to it than just a pause for breath. Yeah, that might be part of it, but it's not all of it. Um, and yeah. one of the things that you you said, uh, Sherry, uh, I guess a month or two ago by now, that still, you know, what? You know, it's like, I thought I was supposed to be the expert of the room here on this whole mindfulness mindfulness thing. Um, it, it, mindfulness is not self-care. Yeah. You know, it's not. Um, some things are mindfulness is not, you know, to, to, to regale it to a five minute break f- vastly underestimates its potential as a way of being that can directly plug into, um, what we do as educators. Yeah. I think, I think so too. Um, clearly we, know. we, clearly we agree that, <laughs> we <do. laughs> that, that this is, that this is true. Right. Yeah. They're not, well. One day we'll have to figure out what we don't agree on. I'm yeah, sure there are things. Right, 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 right. Um, formal announcements coming soon. It'll be all over the socials and it'll post up and we'll talk about it on, a, uh, talk about it on some podcasts between now and then. Um, so be on the lookout. Indeed. For that. Um, it'll be offered at a reasonable time for time zones that want to engage in that that are not Eastern Standard. Yes. Um, so hopefully we can see some folks in there that, uh, that would want to contribute. Yeah, it's going to be great. Didn't be great. Cool. Thank you, Dr. Spiegel. What a wonderful Friday. Thank you, Dr. Fitzgerald. It was cool. a good Friday. Still yeah, it is. is. Good, still is. Happy mm-hmm. Teacher Appreciation Week. Indeed. Awesome. Cool. Cool. Right. See you guys. Bye, y'all. Bye, y'all. This podcast is produced by Sherry Spiegel, Paul Fitzgerald, and This Most Unbelievable Life. For more information, please check us out at www.thismostunbelievablelife.com. Paul and Sherry have a Paul podcast. Paul and Sherry podcast, yes. 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 Cool.